I'm Jennifer Isabella, your host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by VP and Principal Analyst Ian Bruce and Principal Analyst Lisa Gately to discuss why most thought leadership content is, in fact, not very thought leading and how companies can change that. Welcome both. That's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Ah, the term thought leadership. There is so much quote unquote thought leadership out in the market. But before we really dive into the rest of this conversation, I'd love us to just describe what should thought leadership be and how does it differ from what's out in the market, different types of marketing content. I think that would be helpful starting place. Sure, Jen. Yeah, I, I think it is the right place to start because I think there is a lot of confusion. Um, Forrester has its own definition. So let me read that out and then we can sort of unpack it a little bit. Our definition is uh, thought leadership um, is a process of exercising knowledge, skills and expertise to increase awareness, elevate perception and drive uh, preference related to key issues that audiences care about. So that's our um, definition. A lot of fancy words. What it boils down to is that Dominantly, thought leadership is about building brand equity in market by communicating the organization's uh, expertise and insights and ideas. Um, that's, that's the thought around what great thought leadership should, should be and, 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 and should be the starting point for thinking about um, how you exercise thought leadership in market. Yeah, Ian, to build on that, I would say when we talk with a lot of clients, people have questions about the type of content. Um, and some of it comes up because Forrester has a lot of data about buyer preferences and their use of content. And what we know is buyers are oversaturated with content. They're getting too much material from vendors. And they tell us a lot of that material is more focused on style than substance. So when you come back around to thought leadership, really the expectation there is it's something that sets you apart. Um, we see a lot of organizations asking us, about thought leadership and their thinking or perception is it's the same thing as content marketing or it's the same thing as a content strategy or a campaign. And that's where we, we would distinguish all of the things Ian was saying about the effort to benefit your brand. Um, thought leadership and content marketing reinforce each other, but they're going to manifest in some different modes of delivery, different timeframes, different KPIs. Um, and the message, with the actual substance that you would put into that content. Yeah, I, th I think that's a really important distinction, Lisa. Is that, that 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 thought around content and the thought around thought leadership? It's not the it's not the same thing. They, there's de in the Venn diagram, they definitely overlap, but they're not the same things. And the starting point for thinking about thought leadership should be the idea, the the theme that you want to bring to market and own in market. And that is a very different starting point to the more tactical content thought. Um, and so you need to elevate, elevate your thinking to what are the, the things that audiences care about passionately, passionately in their professional lives that you can help them with, that you can support, that you can bring fresh thinking to. That's, that's where thought leadership lives and breathes. And that's where you need to start your internal conversations around how can we become um, seen as thought leaders in our industry 
Um, it's it's at that level of thinking. The other the other thing I think that Lisa that you are bringing up here, which is just as important, is this idea around time to value, which is very very different in a content marketing world uh, as opposed to a thought leadership world. And I'm sure later on in this podcast we'll give some examples of this. But you know, thought leadership, the time to value is often literally years. Um, you know, you need if you're going to you know, engage in conversations in market and try and own those conversations and be seen as um, leading those conversations, literally, then it, it's going to take time and it's going to take investment. And that that is not a, you know, in the next quarter kind of conversation. Why is there this disconnect, though? Because I, I like this distinction, you know, between content marketing and thought leadership. They're related, but not the same thing is, is it because there is such a focus on the short-term gains that potentially you could get from content marketing exercises or activities or, or what's, what's going on there? Yeah, I, I would say you're, you're right on of with the, the rise of content marketing in especially recent years, past 10 ish years, there is that thinking and awareness and especially with everybody going to digital um, everybody has to have something. We know also from our studies, there's an increase in interactions. So people are looking to create content as fuel for lots of things. Um, but it is a lot of work. As Ian was describing, really it comes to, you have to have a unique point of view and you've got to put a lot of critical mass, your organization's commitment behind it over time. It's not quick fire exercise that keeps shifting quarter over quarter. Your editorial calendar's got to support a runway of 12 to 18 months, at least. Right. And I, I think, um, you know, this is a, a, a much bigger discussion outside of the thought leadership thought, but it, there's this very short-termist thinking that dominates B2B marketing overall. You know, B2B marketing leaders tend to get trapped inside a sales cycle in the way they execute. They become dominantly focused on demand generation, short-term demand generation tactics intent-based marketing, all of that, which forces the conversation into a very short time frame inside a sales cycle. And that is not the kind of thinking that's going to generate um, brand equity, for example, and certainly not thought leadership. As I say, it's a long-term strategic investment and journey that you need to go on as a business um, that is certainly spans well beyond the typical sales cycle or your quarterly earnings call. Very true. I would just add also that you're also elevated out of product level content. I think there's a misperception then too of what your audience really cares about, but not talking about yourself. You're trying to hit that intersection of what the audience, the market cares about and an issue where your organization has something to say, uh, but it is more issue thematic. It is not the product content that so many organizations are used to producing. Lisa and I both did a, a session at our uh, annual event summit down in Austin, Texas, a few months ago. And the title of the session was Most Thought Leadership Isn't Thoughtful or Leading. And, and you know, we were deliberately being facetious, but uh, sadly, the title's pretty accurate. And the main reason it's accurate is, is, is exactly what Lisa said. Uh, people are talking about themselves. It's me, 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 right? Look at my product. Look at us. Look at how fabulous we are. Uh, it's very self-centered and myopic. And that is not what thought leadership is about at all. Um, thought leadership needs to start from the vantage point of the audiences you're trying to reach, the buyers and the influencers around that buying persona. 
And you need to get in their shoes and live in their lives and understand their professional cares and concerns. And that's where thought leadership emanates from, um, not from, you know, having a grandiose perception of the latest feature of your product. That's just not what thought leadership is about. It's about living in that professional milieu of the audiences you're trying to reach, of the buyers, and caring about their professional lives and engaging with them as a peer in that conversation um, with them. And that's just a different different way of starting a conversation, of having a conversation in a marketplace. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to ding my fellow B2B marketers, but that's really hard to put yourself in the shoes of your customers and prospects and knowing what, you know, their challenges really are. And it's easier to know the features and functionality and potential benefits of your product, right? So the concept of thought leadership is not new, obviously, but it's not been done well for this very reason. There's a there's a disconnect, I think, at having empathy for whom you're writing content for, right? So how do you how do you do this well? How do you create genuine thought leadership? Yeah. So building on Ian's answer, that you know, taking that outside in approach, um, we really look at things that we're talking about some research near term about four steps to this, and it's starting as Ian said. If you're getting some market context for that to drive things outside first about where where are the voices in your market? Where are there some shared interest? Where are you generating a lot of interest? And some of it is, Jen, your point about you've got to do the research. Um, if somehow, if you are doing focus groups, surveys, you're doing voice of the customer work, you're doing the social monitoring, all those kinds of things that give you signals about what do people care about? How do they talk about it? What's their language for it? Um, you're also looking at your competitors. Um, a lot of that is, of course, through your competitive intelligence team. It's also doing your research, looking at the content that others are putting out in the marketplace. Um, and some of it is having that durable view. Um, to your point, I, I think it's really important to know you're going to be on this for a while. So look at things for the long haul as you're evaluating some of those themes. I think it's a, a false thought in a sense. You know, great products are built because you, are, you understand customer needs and you have customer intimacy and your, your company is built around this thought of, you know, customer experience and all of that. It's all about having a rich, deep, you know, understanding of a problem set that you can solve for. That's what great product, where great products emerge and great thought leadership emerges from exactly the same thought. But the, prob- the problem is what happens is the pressure on marketing and on, and on sales to some extent, but definitely on the marketing teams and on the content teams, Lisa, is that they're, they're pushed into talking about the features and the functions and me and us and how great we are and the price, whatever it is. And they, they forget that the product itself was created from this outside-in perspective that Lisa talked about earlier. And you need to match that product development thought, that R&D thought, with, with a thought leadership thought that, that displays your understanding for the problems that persist in an industry with a buying persona that you richly understand and 
uh, have anticipated. And that's that there's an, an analog in thought leadership to that product development process in a sense, I think. Yeah, I, I would say it's also, it's taking that process Ian mentioned, but then giving it more journalistic treatment too. So it doesn't slip down the slope into becoming content. We're very well versed in creating content about our offerings or about ourselves. That, that, absolutely right. There was, there was also this aspect of thought leadership that maybe we haven't talked about yet, which is exactly correct, which has a, a sort of journalistic flair to it, a, a marketing intent to it, um, an understanding of um, the, the conversations that are dominating, you know, the public square and how you can participate in them and add value to them, be a voice in that chorus of voices on a given theme or idea or subject that is going to, you know, be dominant and persist over time. Um, and, and that is another aspect of thought leadership. It, it is it is a marketing spin. It is a, a journalistic thought. It is a creative thought, Lisa. There's a lot of creativity in great thought leadership um, that, that also, you know, marketing plays a, a part in that specifically, I think. Yeah. So back to the question about being hard, it, it also comes to some prioritization and even some of the skills too, that, that storytelling, the journalistic style, that, yeah. that may not be in supply at some organizations. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great segue and something you had mentioned earlier, Lisa, around like the organization sort of rallying around this concept of thought leadership. Is this yes, driven by marketing, but this is not just a, a marketing effort, right? This you're tapping into the organization to, to be a part of the dialogue, to, you know, move your position on, um, on a certain topic forward. So what needs to happen within an organization to actually build this, you know, program or, or effort? Oh yeah. So, you know, you, you hit it on, it's not just marketing. Marketing may be a lead or marketing and comms. You may have somebody who is a lead of a team. It involves all aspects of your company uh, because you are choosing some areas that really play to your strengths and expertise and support at a brand level. You've got to have some of that corporate alignment, executive sponsorship. And if you look at pockets of your organization, where that expertise exists, um, where, where you're going to really focus the efforts. So I'll start off and Ian, I'd love to riff with you on some of the things to go after this. We talked about that outside in approach or getting some market context for it. It's also, we were just also talking about knowing your buyers or customers, knowing your audiences. Um, some of that in getting ready is testing for corporate alignment. When, when I say that, what I mean is if you're evaluating your big idea, your big, big thought where you could place a bet for the future, are you in alignment, not just marketing, but your product, your sales, your customer success? Is this in alignment with reality of where, where your corporate strategy is going? Um, because really, if you're if you're not in alignment there, it's going to be hard to activate. It's going to be hard to be credible. So you're also testing behind the scenes some ideas with your employees and a dedicated team and budget to do it. What Lisa says is exactly right. So the, the way that we talked about this at our event um, was, you know, we we drew an analog and said, you know, this is a team sport. It's not a solo sport. And you need to have that team structure in mind when you think about what your thought leadership 
strategy and it needs to be at the strategic level, not at a tactical level of let's create some content. It's a strategy. What is that strategy going to be and how are you going to get um, internal alignment across the organization, including with the executive team around uh, the themes that you think matter most to your business and which and where you can contribute meaningfully to a conversation, a dialogue in market. So it's a team sport. You need to construct that team um, in order to build out that framework and, the th- and around the themes that you, you think are important and material to your company and to the audiences you're trying to reach. But the, the way to, once you've sort of got that team constructed, it's important to then go out into not start internally in a dark room and cogitate on, you know, what you think is most important to us. That's the wrong start point. You, you need to go out into the market, go to customers, go to prospects, listen to the conversations that are already happening in market and understand which ones matter to you, where there's alignment with your business strategy, how you can add something of value in that, again, that chorus of voices at that outside in perspective. And, you know, have a, have a formal process for evaluating competing themes and ideas so that, you know, you're on the right road and you know what your voice is um, in, in that conversation. But it's definitely a team sport. You definitely need to have people involved in this activity that goes well beyond just the marketing team or the content team. You know, you need your R&D team, you need your CTO, or you need the thought leaders, the people with, you know, those light bulb ideas um, in the conversation. You need the enablers and you need outsiders. There is definitely a role to be played um, by engaging with other influences in your market space. And in some cases, co-opting with them some ideas and thoughts to, um take their input into the process itself for de- developing what themes you're, you're going to take forward, but also in using them to amplify whatever conversations you want to have. So I, I think I think there's a, a misconception that, you know, that thought leadership is something that um, only the very few can do, um, the very well-funded company can do, or the, or the company with that lightning rod famous personality can do. You know, the, the star, starry CEO can do. It's not, it, it does not have to be that. It can be something else that arrives more organically from other parts of the company. But it does take investment, right? It does take budget. So I was, I mean, it sounds expensive to do it, to do it well. Is that not a fair assessment? I think it's resource intensive is a better way to put it. Yes. Yeah. Does it need to be, you know, a big dollar sign? often does, often doesn't, it, mm. but it's resource intensive. You know, it, there needs to be a lot of deliberation involved in creating thought leadership. It needs to be sustained over time. It needs to be somebody's responsibility, not a part-time thing that happens, you know, on a Friday afternoon. It needs to be central um, and it needs to be planned. And all of that is resources, absolutely. Yeah, to build on that, Ian, it really, it is very intentional over time. Like you said, it's not a kind of a by-the-way assignment um, because you're, what you're hearing is it takes some orchestration that, mm-hmm. yes, for a company that is not known in a market for some things, yeah, it, it is a strategy that you could partner with a third party or some influencers or to get data. Definitely, you may you may need to have some funding available 
Um, but it also, Ian and I have talked about is scaling what this looks like as you get started. Mm-hmm. That I think, Ian, you raised a great point of this perception many companies have is we don't have this star in the marketplace or we need a star CEO. You can really get started. If you look within your organization of some of the people you named a few, Ian, are, are there some product leaders? Are there some people who know your customers very well? They've been an expert consultant. You, you get the idea. Some of those types, as they work together and build ideas together, that is, again, it's more intensive to try to work that way rather than having that star person within your organization. Uh, but you've got a combination of your executives and some of the experts. That's where you're trying to see what you have. And to your point, if you're man- managing with it, it's expensive or you're dedicating some dollars to that because it is that long-term bet. So we've all heard of ADP, the payroll management companies, uh, largely what they're known for, the global company. The reason we've heard of them is not because they're a payroll management company, actually. It's because every quarter, roughly, they get on CNN and MSNBC and Squawk Box and Bloomberg, and they talk about unemployment data just ahead of the government stats. And um, they have cultivated, using data driven off their uh, payroll management solutions, the ability to model unemployment numbers very accurately at a global and regional level. Um, And that is information of significant material, even financial value to economists and others. And their data is actually considered at least as reliable as the government stats that get produced a few weeks later. So they, you know, a very prosaic business, you know, doing payroll management, from that starting point, they have built an exceptional thought leadership program, but it took them decades, decades to get there and to get to a level of authority around the information that they provide. To your point, Jen, it was a significant investment of money and of time, and the time to value was was very long but undeniably valuable to them as a business. It has positioned them and the brand in our minds very, very, very well. And I think that's a really good example of an organization that took its strengths and took its insights and used that in a, a fabulous way to build a thought leadership program that has served that business very, very well over the long term and position the organization, the brand, very, very well. So in that ADP example, I mean, you think you were sort of giving a nod to some of the benefits they have garnered from from their thought leadership. But broadly, what can organizations expect if they stand up a proper program here? Are there quantifiable benefits we can point to um, in addition to maybe some things that are more intangible? Yeah, I mean, they really, they're building a long-term platform for market interest and relevance and the differentiation. Now that, I know that is something that's very hard in quantifying, although Nian, you're talking with a lot of clients about brand measurement. Um, so you're really trying to look at that brand level. It's not the vanity metrics we think of in page views, time on page, that that realm. Um, you're in, so when you're getting back to how can you measure the awareness, you know, perception, preference, those kinds of measures are where you're trying to quantify things. Often when I'm talking to clients um, and they are um, talking about thought leadership programs uh, or they use that phrase to describe, um, you know, a content program, Lisa, that they might be doing, um, I will stop them and I'll say, 
what are the KPIs for this? What does success look like? Imagine a year away from now, it's been fabulously successful. What does that mean? And invariably, the answer I get is leads, right? So it's something in the demand generation process. And I'll say, so it's not thought leadership then. It's, it, what you're doing is demand generation. It, it's, it's in that buyer's journey process. And, and there's value to that. And it's important and necessary. But it, you're, you're operating within the context of, you know, buyer journey messaging, education solution selection stuff. And that's not really where thought leadership lives. Don't get me wrong. There's elements of thought leadership that persist in, in that world, but it's not where the program and the strategy for thought leadership begins. The program and strategy for thought leadership begins with the thought about how can we build brand equity for the company that will over time build downstream benefits in the demand generation process, analogous to what ADP does, right? That's that. So the KPIs should emerge at least dominantly around brand KPIs. And that is not to say that, of course, it won't benefit the business. You know, it's going to help with, you know, the financial performance of the organization. Otherwise, why would you do it? Um, but that the, the initial thought should be, we want to build brand equity. And thought leadership is a mechanism for doing that. And we know we have something to say. We have a theme, an idea that we can take forward. So as we reflect on this conversation, how does someone know that they're ready? And what are the things that need to be in place for them to take this step to have a real thought leadership program, right? Not content that's veiled as thought leadership, but something that has legs and consistency out in the market. I, I love that because I, I think everybody wants this, but the signs that you're ready and that you could take this forward is you've got some commitment to the long haul, that this is going to be a project you're going to see through 18 to 24 months, that you've got some dedicated resources for this. And you've had conversations with different leaders about the time to value, about the what it takes. And there's a commitment to starting outside in, that thinking about market context, thinking about your audiences, buyers, customers, influencers, the world at large, your employees, that brand level, that that kind of analysis, you're going to do that first before you start on the content. Uh, but you're also using a rigorous approach. You're evaluating the themes that come up and you're talking with some experts that when you talk about, is this a relevant idea? Does this theme have some legs uh, where you could work on this over time, the alignment with where your company is going and then your organization's ready. Um, you can adjust it. You had a beautiful you know, analogy about you don't have to have that star. Um, you can start with that voice in the chorus that you're chiming in with some things you know your audience cares about, um, but you're gonna put your muscle behind it over time. Like that's where if you've got that kind of commitment, you're on the same page with other leaders, then you're getting ready. Excellent. Well, thank you both for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or drop us a note at podcast at Thanks for listening.